This is Reverend Jesse Jackson. Keep hope alive with Webmaster Radio. Stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, December 5th, and you are listening to The Hook with Katie Kempner, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and public relations insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. My hope is that by listening to my various guests, you will find new forms of inspiration and ideas that you can use in what you do. So today promises to be a very interesting show. We're going to take a look at PR from a slightly different angle than we've examined in the past, the nonprofit perspective. I think there are really some fantastic lessons to be learned that can be applied in many businesses. And when I was initially thinking of who would be best to talk to in this arena, since it's very specialized, it occurred to me that I need look no farther than my very own family tree. So today I will be talking with Martha Kempner, Vice President for Information and Communications for SECUS, which is the Sexuality, Information, and Education Council of the United States. She holds a master's degree in human sexuality from New York University, and she also happens to be my little sister. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome her to the show. Hello, Mari. Hey, Katie. How are you? <laughs> Now, should I call you Martha, which would be your professional name, or should I call you Mari? Um, you're not going to be able to call me Martha for more than two tries. Everyone <laughs> tries to do it, so go ahead with the Mari. We'll just be really informal. We'll go with Mari. You know, I have to say, I was in- really impressed. I Googled you. You have pages. What can I say? I'm pretty prolific. <laughs> you're pretty prolific. Now, the first thing I think we should just jump right in jump right in and talk about SECUS and what it is exactly and, you know, what the goal of of the organization is. Sure. Um, SECUS is a – we're about 45 years old now. We're a nonprofit, so we get most of our funding from foundations and a little bit from private donors. And our our main mission is pretty broad. It's to – make sure that everyone knows that human sexuality is an important and fundamental part of life, to make sure that people know that sexuality is natural and healthy, and to make sure that everyone has the access to the information and services they need to protect their sexual health. More specifically, we usually deal with sexuality education, and a lot of it is dealing with sexuality education in schools. Mm-hmm. So now where does your job fit in? What do you do? Oh, very interesting question. I've been there for eight years, and my job changes almost every year. But what right do you now, do? <laughs> right now, I am the vice president for information and communications, and we essentially have three main um, program areas. We have an education and training department, which focuses on sexuality educators, mostly teachers in public schools, but also uh, health departments, departments of education, and uh, health professionals, because we have, in that department, we have 
some money from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, to mm-hmm. do HIV prevention education. Mm-hmm. And that department trains trainers mainly. We don't actually go into schools to talk to kids, but we'll go to the health department and train them on how to then train public school teachers, or we'll train public school teachers directly. Mm-hmm. Our other main department is our public policy department, which is actually based in Washington, D.C., and their job is to advocate for sound policies related to sexuality education and other related issues like reproductive health and HIV prevention, and they do that on both the federal level with Congress in particular and also on the state level as well. So we have someone who travels to a lot of different states and deals with advocacy there. Mm -hmm. And then my job is twofold. One is to help provide information. So I do all of our publications and all of our websites. And I don't do this alone, by the way. I have a, I have a department. <laughs> um, and also, we, I'm also now, and this is relatively new for me, this um, just started this summer, I'm also now in charge of communications, so I do all of our dealings with the press. Which is sort of what we want to focus on. You know I'm so happy to be talking to you. You sound so grown up. <laughs> you well, I am your little job. sister, you're... but not by much. <laughs> Listen, we are the same age now. I mean, that's how it works. You're in your early 30s. You get to your mid-30s. You're pretty much the same age. That's sad. I wanted to be able to have that three-year gap mean something eventually. That would be Other two than that you got three... to drive. It's not three years, Mari. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half. Two and a half. So, listen. Uh, what, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, though, about when you were talking about the, the you, you know, information is one category, education and public policy. Is it? And and you're, I think, an interesting. Is it difficult to have one message and get your one message out there, or do you sort of have to tailor your message for each audience who you're talking to? A little bit of both. I think that. Um we definitely have different audiences. And mm-hmm. the way a public school teacher or a sexuality educator wants information is definitely different than the way a policymaker wants information. Mm-hmm. And a policymaker isn't going to look at that much detail, for example. So we definitely have to make sure that we know who we're talking to. And actually, part of my job in particular is to make sure that when each department tailors that message differently, we're always being consistent and we're always coming back to our main message about the importance of sexuality education in particular. Mm-hmm. And what is the importance of sexuality education in particular? Funny you should ask. Um, <laughs> I think in, you know, one of the things that Sikas talks about in particular is that we really need to make sure that we're raising a generation of sexually healthy adults. And that would be people who are comfortable with their sexuality, people who are comfortable with the health care around sexuality, people who know what they need to know to make choices. And we make choices about our sexual health every day, um, sometimes, and as adults, really not thinking about it. It's not really just about sexual behavior, but it's also about choosing contraception, um, making sure that you go get annual physicals, and a lot of different things that we all do. And in order to do that, as we grow up, we need information and um, education about the, the services. And so the goals of sexuality education are really to make sure that young people understand their bodies, understand relationships, understand love. It's pretty broad. Mm-hmm. And then are able to use that in adulthood. And if we don't start early, I think, 
we end up with people who aren't comfortable with this subject as adults. So our our theory of sexuality education is really that you need to start from the very beginning. Now, Which I think I did with your kids. <laughs> I bought them that book. You bought them that book, and you were nice enough to uh, show it to me and Frankie first before we showed it to the kids. What was it called? Because it actually was a great book. It's called It's So Amazing. It's by an author named Roby Harris, and she actually has three in that series that teach young kids at varying levels. Um, that's kind of the middle one. That's for six to, I think about six, five to six-year-olds and mm-hmm. a little older. Um, and that it's really about where babies come from, puberty, the very basics in a way that's appealing to kids and that's helping parents because I think one of the things is that parents are very nervous about talking about this topic. Um, most people's parents didn't talk to them. Mm-hmm. We're a little different, I suppose. <laughs> But, you know, so a lot of parents are are nervous about talking about this, and these books are really helpful. Now, Mar, I mean, you know, when you, you bring up about, you know, not other parents being maybe like ours who are, you know, very willing to answer any of our questions, and, you know, I mean, you're in a field that it, it can be very controversial and quite emotional because people have very strong beliefs often one way or the other which have a lot to do with how they were raised, what maybe what religion they are, what their politics are. I mean, do you think that there are very specific challenges to working in, in working with a topic that is so, you know, can be so, uh, I, I don't want to say the word inflammatory because that's that's not the right word, but just controversial? Definitely. I think there's a, a couple ways where that comes up. Um, first of all, again, you have to be really careful about your audience, right? Policymakers can be a little nervous about this issue. I think the the underlying nervousness is that people are afraid you want to tell their kids something that they wouldn't tell their kids. Mm-hmm. They're afraid that you want to impart values that aren't their values. Um, and they're also just a little bit nervous that kids shouldn't learn this stuff early. And so the way we address that is, first of all, to just remind parents that Kids are learning this already. Whether you're telling your child about this or someone else on the school bus is telling your child about this or MTV is telling your child about sex, kids are learning about sex. And so we think that it's really important that parents become the primary sexuality educator of their kids. And then um, we want to help parents do that and we want to help schools do that. So I think one tactic is to just explain that this isn't about values. We don't want to, for example, tell your your child whether abortion is right or wrong, we want to give them the information on it and send them home to you to to hear what your family thinks about such controversial issues. That is a really interesting point, and I bet one that's difficult often to get across. Is it, it is difficult to get across, and I think what's difficult to get across is that the truth is parents don't want to think of their kids as sexual. Of course so, not. You know, it's a very scary thought. But one thing that we all need to remember is that by senior year, over 60% of young people have had intercourse. So Yikes. young people are sexual. And I think we have to, the first step is to cross that barrier. And it does, it, in dealing with reporters in particular, it takes a lot of background education so that the message comes out clear. Well, wouldn't that, that, I mean, I would imagine, you know, what I just said also really is extremely applicable to reporters because reporters come to, you know, come to the table with those same 
not necessarily prejudice, but those same beliefs that they grew up with. So, I mean, how do you need any special tactics to deal with them? You know, it's interesting because some reporters are right there already, and usually the reporters who are right with you are the reporters who have teenage children. Ah. And they'll call you and they'll be like, you know what, I my son came home the other day and he said this and I couldn't believe it and it made me start thinking, and and that you know that's where you take off from. Uh, there are, are certainly reporters who you know don't know anything about the issue. Sexuality education is wedged in between so many things. So sometimes we're talking to a reporter who covers health issues. Sometimes we're talking to a reporter who covers education issues. In local papers, we're often talking to the reporter who has to sit at mostly mind-numbing school board meetings every mm-hmm. month. And then suddenly the issue of sexuality comes up and it's a little bit sexier, and so it gets a lot of press. Ah. Do you find that you, that you have to also talk to, diff- to reporters different that are in different parts of the country? Oh, absolutely. We definitely focus on national press so that we talk to uh, the, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the L.A. Times more often, I would say, than we talk to anyone else. But we do a lot of issues regionally. And the issue, one of the things that pops up a lot is local school boards trying to decide what kind of sexuality education they're going to provide to the students in that town. And when that happens, we often talk to you know, reporters in Kansas or Missouri or anywhere in the country, really, who are looking at this issue and trying to figure out how their town plays into the national landscape. I want to. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk more about this, about dealing with different reporters. So we will take a quick break, and we'll come back right after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. The Hook. We'll be back after this short break. Wow. I never saw anyone fish with such a wide net before. Oh, really? I don't like fishing with a pole. Can't catch the big ones fast enough. No kidding. You've got a bunch. Yeah, I know. This wide net gives me great distribution and reach. Really? How's it work? Well, fish like to move around to various parts of the lake, so by casting a wide net, I gather fish from everywhere they congregate. Wow, that's pretty smart. Thanks. Wide nets work. And they make you look smart. If you're looking to cast a wider net and fish where the fish are, Look Smart Advertising Solutions can help. Go to signup.looksmart.com to learn more. Are your ads managing you? Tired of click fraud and little or no ROI on your pay-per-click search ads? Take control. Reduce your costs and gain valuable traffic with effective flat fee featured listings on over 245 search engines and web directories from the ISEDN.org, the independent search engine and directory network. Now free yourself from click fraud, bidding, and hassles with low-cost top 10 exposure for less than $4 a month from ISEDN. So visit ISEDN.org today and discover how easy it is maximizing your company's online revenue stream with affordable search engine and directory flat fee ads from the ISEDN.org. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. Katie Kempner. Katie 
mm-hmm. just like the don't, you know, just say no message, it really doesn't work, especially for sexuality. And in fact, it's, it's a little bit of backtracking because there's a lot of fear in it. You know, don't have sex or you will die, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so we have been working for many years to combat that message, and reporters know us, and when there's an issue around the federal abstinence-only until marriage program, we are usually the first people or one of the first people that they call. And so a few weeks ago there was a report in which the government accounting office said you're to to the federal government itself, you're violating a law that says that you have to have accurate information about condoms in all sexually um, in all programs that are designed to prevent STDs. And mm-hmm. when that happened, reporters called us and wanted our opinion on this. You know, we put out a press release almost instantly, and then reporters called us and said, what do you think about this ruling? And, by the way, we thought it was great. <laughs> Dave, you know, it's interesting that you should say that because David Kiley who is a friend of mine and who was the marketing editor of Business Week and decided to go and cover the auto industry, I was talking to him and uh, on the show, and he said that, you know, when, when reporters, and him in particular, but when reporters find a source that they know that they can go to quickly, who will have good answers, who don't even necessarily try to insert themselves into the conversation, but can give them information, that they will go back to that source again and again and again. And I mean, as a PR person, that's exactly what I want. You know, I want when somebody's doing something about my industry or one of my clients' industries to call me right away. So, I mean, how... Do you have any tips there, or you're just always ready with information you're, whenever they need it? You know, how, how do you foster those relationships? I think it's, first of all, it's about having the information, and that is obviously what our main function is, right? We are a clearinghouse of information on mm-hmm. advocacy issues, on education, all around sexuality. And so reporters who do call us know that the minute they call, they're going to get information or, you know, we're going to go scramble for it and call them back in five minutes. But so that's our main, that's our main task when it comes to reporters. And then I think really like anything else, I mean, I I watch you do it all the time. Really what it is, is, is creating relationships. Oh, I thought you were going to say shop. (laughs) Well, you shop for reporters sometimes. I've seen you do that too. Nonprofit world, we don't actually give reporters presents. We we don't really give reporters presents, Mar. Just like little, mostly when I'm doing the shopping, I'm just saying it's for reporters so Frankie uh, won't realize that. I should have seen through that. That was how much shopping I do. But we do definitely, you know, foster relationships. We know who's writing about these issues, especially at the big national and regional papers, mm-hmm. and they know us at this point. And so most of the time when we call them, we, you know, we try not to bug them. We call them when there are things going on, but we also call them a couple weeks before something's going on that we know about to just remind them about the issue. And it really helps to have you know, we're on their radar screen then. So now that kind of brings up a, a point. I'm gonna. I just realized we've both been saying interesting. No one else is allowed to say interesting. We have to come up with some other word. Not that's interesting. That's gonna be a challenge. That will be an interesting challenge. No, just kidding. <laughs> no. I don't have my thesaurus in front of me. Well, grab dads at the next commercial break. <laughs> As daughters of philosopher of a philosopher, shouldn't we just have all these, uh, you know, words at our disposal? Well, considering um, that I'm also the editor for the organization, I should have certainly have them at my disposal. 
And I want to talk about that too, but I want to talk about one other thing before I lose mm-hmm. my train of thought since I am older than you. Um, you said that you that Seekus is the leading resource. I was wondering how that works into sort of your beliefs or or how you behave when it comes to competitor, competitors because I would believe that you would want other organizations who share similar beliefs as yours to be heard, but I'm also sure you want to be heard the loudest. So how does that, does that ever be, come into play as an issue? Certainly. It's, it's a challenge. I think the, the basic challenge is really pro- we're promoting both an issue and our organization. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when something on abstinence only until marriage comes out, we want the article written. That's our our primary goal is to make mm-hmm. sure that this article gets written because we, on this topic in particular, we think that the public doesn't understand that the federal government is wasting, you know, over a billion dollars at this point of their money on these programs that don't work. So our primary goal is to make sure that these articles get written. At the same time, we want our organization to get the recognition as this leading expert expert on these programs. Um, because the more exposure we get, the more media knows that we're there, the more the public and policymakers know that we're there, and also the more the foundations and the donors know that we're there. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are those are a twofold goal. Um, but if an article gets written about this program and we're not in it, it's still a success from our point of view. Because the number one thing is to promote the issues and your beliefs on the issues? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, you said that, there, that um, there are a lot of things going on right now in your field. Can you talk about some of them? Well, I think that in, in the political arena, the um, shift in power will be a really interesting issue to deal with because, oh, I said interesting again. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll take that ban off. We only have half an hour. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that one. But um, the... Abstinence only until marriage programs didn't start under the current administration. They mm-hmm. were around, and actually, the first big investment in them—well, there was an investment in the '80s, and the first big investment was was signed into law by President Clinton. But when um, President Bush was the governor of Texas, this was one of his pet projects, and it has remained one of his pet projects as president. He even mentioned it in the State of the Union a couple of years ago. So. Um, now that there's very, you know, now that we're facing a, a budget crisis in this country and there's very little money, there's a little bit of momentum to stop funding programs that don't work. And now that we have a shift in power in the in the Congress, there's momentum again to stop funding these programs that are really about conservative social values. And so that's what's going on. And things like this GAO report that I mentioned a few weeks ago mm-hmm. are hopefully the start of some momentum um, from our side on this issue. Interesting. Can I go back for a second to something? (laughs) Hmm? I I thought that was a joke. (laughs) You know, from the day you told the joke about the tomato when you were six, I I don't know if I ever got your jokes. This is not a place to, this is not a forum for the tomato joke. Under the right circumstances, that joke is hysterically funny. (laughs) I think you told it like eight times in a row, though. Uh-huh. Well, moving on. <laughs> so, with the with the with the political landscape changing for the better, um what do you see now as the biggest challenge that uh Seekus faces and that you face as the spokesperson for Seekus? Hmm. I think there are a lot of challenges. I think the biggest challenge that we face in everything is a lack of funding. We 
our media project, you know, you asked me if we were more reactive than proactive, Mm -hmm. and that's in part because this is an unfunded piece of our program, right? We get money to do some of our policy work. We get money to do some of our education work, and then obviously we get money that just keeps the light bills paid and et cetera. And it's that kind of unrestricted money that we use to do this media project, um, or media work, and so there's not a we don't have a far reach in it. Mm-hmm. When I said I had a department, I have Max, um, who is amazing and does a ton of work. But really, it's just the two of us trying to uh, do everything information and everything communications at the same time. And so I think the biggest challenge that we face is that um, we don't necessarily have the budget to make sure that our reach is as broad as we'd want it to be. Mm-hmm. But that's obviously not the political landscape challenge. Right, not the political landscape challenge. But let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Considering that you do have somewhat limited resources, and yet your name is everywhere, both your name and the name name of SECUS, what are the main vehicles that you use for getting your message out there? I mean, is it the Internet? Is it, you know newspapers, is it grassroots efforts, is it sort of a combination of all of them? It's definitely a combination of all of them. I think that our websites are definitely where we get, where we focus a lot of energy in terms of getting the information out because it's where we can get the most information to the most people um, for the least amount of money, truthfully. Mm-hmm. So our main Seekus website gets um, over 150,000 hits each month which is great. It's it, we it, you know, we know that we're reaching people with that. And then when we want to do targeted I I don't know if I'd call them campaigns necessarily, but for example, we have a website called nomoremoney.org mm-hmm. which is specifically um a, I guess it, it's a it's a campaign that suggests that Congress shouldn't put any more money into these abstinence only until marriage programs. And we used this website as a tool to provide information to both policymakers and the public. And then people can use this website. They can go to it, and they can send a letter directly to their own lawmaker um, to say, you know, we don't think you should put any more money into these programs. And so we do use the web definitely as a tool. And then I think print. I think print media is really where we focus most of our efforts because, Newspapers in particular, you know, they come out every day, obviously, and when you're dealing with a political issue in particular, there's a lot of room for a lot of different stories on it. So that means that you spend a lot more time dealing with reporters. Yeah, definitely. And with reporters, you know, we have, again, building relationships. We do a lot of press releases. Uh, We will try to call when something's coming down. And not exactly sure what else we do, but we deal with them every day. <laughs> That's I mean, a lot I, of stuff. <laughs> I, I definitely get calls from reporters, you know, every day to talk about issues. And it's interesting because they'll, they'll range from the Washington Post to Glamour Magazine. Um, and so we have a really wide range of topics. And the, the good news is that we have a really ra- wide range of topics that we're experts on because mm-hmm. we have the policy department and the education department um, we have a lot of people on staff who know a lot of things about sexuality, and one of my primary jobs is to figure out which one of them should field a request. 
Now you mentioned um, you mentioned the a website, and I was wondering that you know you you did you build that website that people could go to the No More Money website? We built that from scratch. And how else do you use the internet? I mean, do you spend a lot of time with internet publications? Do you build a lot of websites? You know, how how are you able to utilize it for PR? You know, I think this is where this is where our PR and our information goals really collide in a good way excuse me i said in a good way yeah, oh absolutely in a good oh, way did you say excuse me i don't think you've <laughs> ever said that to me ever 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 i've never been that polite <laughs> to you know it's very true Seriously, but, uh, this you know. is going great maybe from now on we should only talk when we're being recorded <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a good idea actually <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, hold on, please. Wait one second. So, okay, wait. I'm sorry. I interrupted you, but I was just, you know, I go from just having you as a guest to be just shocked and amazed because you're my sister. I know. And it, you're, it's true. I'm not usually this polite. No. but And you also, you're quite bubbly today, I must say. I, I try. You try. I don't I think know I'm I... as bubbly as you. I've never been as bubbly as you, though. Yes. Perhaps that's a good thing. Every time Dad listens to the show, he's like, you know, why do you have that insane cackle? <laughs> so I try not to do the insane cackle too much, but, you he know. He is listening. It's, oh, he's there? They're both, they're both listening. <laughs> With your baby. With my what baby. other people yeah. don't know is besides the fact that you have this fantastic job, great husband, you're beautiful, you have a four-month-old little adorable, adorable baby named Charlotte, who we call Charlie, and uh, Mom and Dad are watching her right now. So far, she's pretty quiet. I don't hear anything from downstairs. She's absolutely beautiful. I'm an auntie. <laughs> I'm an auntie. Anyway, I interrupted you. We went yes. off on a, uh, we digressed. On a, you on were, a family were talking about the Internet, and you said that this is really a great example of when information services and PR come together. Right, because I think our main goal with our website is to provide information with mm -hmm. all of our websites. And so one of the things that we do is create some targeted websites. So we have this No More Money website. We have something that I, I did called the Community Action Kit, which is for parents or educators who are facing controversy over sexuality education in their community. Mm -hmm. And then we have our main Seekus website in which we put all of the publications that we produced, and we, we give almost everything that we produce you are able to download for free off of our website because our main goal is not to, obviously to profit off of it. It's to make sure that the information is out there and in as many hands as possible. So we use our websites for information purposes, and the media isn't necessarily our primary audience for our websites. It depends on which website you're talking about, but for the most part, we're targeting policymakers, educators, and parents. And mm -hmm. the media is a tool to reach the policymakers, educators, and parents. But the good news is that the, the Internet is now probably the first place that reporters turn to when, if, you know, if they don't know us already, if they don't know anyone in this field, they're going to put a, a Google search probably in on something about sexuality education, and hopefully CECUS is going to pop up, and that's going to be where they start their search. And from there, they'll probably give us a call. So I think the Internet really does play a huge role in how we attract media attention and how we become that primary source that that we were talking about. So you spend a lot of time with it. I, I spend a lot of time with it. We we post everything that we write to the internet because we want people to have access to it. Mm -hmm. And 
we're working, for example, we're creating a new website that's going to be called sexedlibrary.org, and it's going to be specifically for teachers so that they can download lesson plans when, they, when they're looking. For example, they're going to teach um, a lesson on safer sex next week, and they're not exactly sure. They're going to be addressing fifth graders, and they're not sure what to use. There's going to be a searchable database of lesson plans on this particular website. How do you get p- teachers to, to know about that website? That's definitely one of our challenges. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have a couple of listservs worth of um, people that we target, colleagues and advocates who are interested in the issue, will sign up to get updates, regular updates from us. So we do a lot of word of mouth um, in terms of how to get people to our sites. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that this is something that we we turn to other PR professionals for, like you guys, on how we drive traffic to our sites because it's not necessarily our, um, you know, we know how to reach the people in a small circle who are relatively related to the issue or know something about the issue. But our broader reach is a little more difficult for us, and we are always looking for ideas. Ah, you're always looking for ideas. Let me ask you something. Um, where does where's, is Planned Parenthood um, a competitor of you guys, or are you similar to them? They're a colleague. I think that there a are colleague. a lot of colleague organizations, and everyone has a slightly different focus. So Planned Parenthood is most, much more focused on reproductive health. Mm-hmm. They do provide sexuality education. Um, a lot of local Planned Parenthoods, the affiliates, will per, will go into schools and actually provide sexuality education. And, in fact, Planned Parenthood affiliates are one of our primary consumers of our resources because they will come to us for ideas um, in terms of going into the classroom. Mm-hmm. And then there are other organizations like the Guttmacher Institute or NARAL Pro-Choice America who we all work on similar issues. And you, you made a comment a couple, I think, before the last commercial break about competitors versus, you know, how do you deal with that? And yeah. I think... One of the things that we try to be really good at is knowing everybody's strengths. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, hopefully I know the answer. When a reporter calls me, hopefully I know the answer to it, and I can not only provide them with the answer but provide them with a snappy quote from (laughs) me or from one of the other vice presidents that will get into the paper. But if I don't know the answer, I am comfortable sending them to another organization in our sphere that will have the information for them because, again, the the main goal is to get the issue out there. You know, that's that's something I was going to say the I word again. I'm not going to say it. But I find that it's very useful to sort of pitch trend stories when dealing with reporters. I know you said at this exact moment you're a little more reactive just because there's so many things going on. But when you're more in a proactive mood, I mean, doesn't it make sense to really pitch trend stories where you can talk with other agencies as well so it's not just so much you, you, you? Absolutely. And I think that I think that we all feed off of each other. We all um, work together to provide research. So, for example, the Guttmacher Institute last week came out with really interesting research on teen pregnancy and why uh, why the, the percentage of teen pregnancy or the rates of teen pregnancy are going down, actually. And they basically, through research, found that it's not because of abstinence-only programs, which a lot of our opponents would like you to believe. It's because teens are having greater access to and are using better methods of contraception and are using them better. So, so that's this, good news. It's great news. 
it's, it's great news. It's great news for us, and it gives us an opportunity when a reporter sees this research, you know, they'll definitely talk to the Guttmacher Institute and to the authors of this research, and then they'll give us a call, and they'll say, what, is, what are the implications of this for sexuality education? And so we really can play off of each other. Mm-hmm. We are going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about SICUS and you and all sorts of fun things. And I'd also like you to think about what you feel about red nail polish because it is the holidays on extremely short nails. Are you for it or against it? I will ponder. We'll come come back right after this. Sit tight and don't move. The Hook will be back after this short break. Generating buzz for your company is essential and now easier than ever with Vaporpost, the consumer-generated advertising network. Our powerful network of bloggers at Vaporpost will creatively expose your product or service through original link-generated ads and embedding video or audio on their sites. Launch your viral marketing campaigns with confidence and enjoy increased traffic with higher conversion rates only through Vaporpost. Visit Vaporpost.com and join the revolution. Viva la revolution! Now, experience the future of web design and development with a whole new level of efficiency, expressiveness, and simplified workflow. Introducing Studio 8, a compilation of the latest releases from Dreamweaver, Flash Professional, Fireworks, Contribute, and Flash Paper. Sure to inspire you to create superior online video sites and mobile content. And now, through this exclusive WebmasterRadio.fm offer, listeners can save a whopping $100 off Studio 8. Visit the online store at Adobe or contact Adobe Customer Services and provide promo code Webmaster Radio in order to receive your discount. Studio 8, your way to create. Are you getting the most out of your online advertising? Now get more from your media spend with superior real-time targeting and creative optimization technology. Get more now from Casali Media. Casali Media. Save big as Casali Media's ad experts place your premium campaigns across the web's hottest properties at the most competitive rates. Want more? Get, get more. Visit casalimedia.com slash more to request your media kit. Casali Media. Advertising online is better here. Casali Media. Flashback, November 2004. A brand new radio station launched onto the World Wide Web. That station was WebmasterRadio.fm. Today, Webmaster Radio is one of the fastest growing internet media outlets in the world. The world. Webmaster Radio boasts one of the most respected talk radio lineups in the internet business world. Danny Sullivan, Chris Tall, Susan Brett, Jim Hedger, Barry Schwartz, Jeremy Shoemaker, Ryan and Jeffrey Eisenberg, Greg Nyland, Katie Kempner. We travel coast to coast to bring you the most extensive and detailed live coverage of the most high profile trade shows in the world. Ad tech, search engine strategy, RSA, Webmaster World, DMA, Ecom Expo. And we have brought you keynote speeches and interviews of some of the biggest influential names in business today. Eric Schmidt, Andrew Hayward, Barry Dillon, John Patel, Keith Barraza, and way too many others to mention. Our live programming and on-demand podcasting keeps the B2B world informed. We are WebmasterRadio.fm, and we're everywhere. Wizards, rainmakers, rock stars, gorillas, and gurus. WebmasterRadio.fm. Come visit our magical Webmaster Wonderland. Webmaster. 
We got a mouse, too. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Now back to The Hook. The intersection of advertising and PR. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's your host. Hello, I'm Katie Kevner, and welcome back to The Hook. Today, I am talking to the very lovely, because she looks a lot like me, (laughs) and talented, Martha Kempner, Vice President for Information and Communications for Seagus. Hello, Martha. Hello. How are you? You you never admit that I look like you in any other format. I know. I can't believe I said that. You know, radio will do the craziest things. <laughs> you know my story about on, the picture on my wall. Where we look very much the same. At least five people walked into my dorm room in college and pointed to a picture of you and said, that is the best picture of you ever taken. <laughs> And I'm not really particularly photogenic. I think you're more photogenic than I am. It's just because Dad can't take pictures of anyone. That is true. He perhaps, although he can take beautiful pictures of birds. If only we were birds. I know. People is really not his forte. So let me ask you this. I mean, the holidays are approaching. The holidays are approaching. And, um, you know, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, in my business, you've spent a lot of time sort of working. You work with the same reporters all the time, and maybe there's sort of the place to build relationships, and you send Christmas cards and maybe Christmas candy and take people to dinner and you know, that type of thing. I mean, is is that the kind of thing that makes any difference in, you know, in a nonprofit like yours? I mean, you know, are, do you send out holiday cards and acknowledge the holidays or sort of it's just business as usual? It's kind of funny. I literally just got an email asking me how many holiday cards I wanted. Um, ah. So we send out holiday cards. And we do, I think the the issue with reporters is the more they know you, the more you're going to be the first person that they call when they have an issue. So, you learned that from me. <laughs> I, I believe I did. So the the more personal a relationship you have, the better. And definitely there are reporters who I will probably have lunch with occasionally. And it's more in those instances, it's more about the issue than it is necessarily about Seekus. But the underlying message, of course, is that we're here to help you whatever you want. And we got some pretty strange requests from from reporters. And so... It's just it's just good that they know that we're there as a resource, and the cards help, the phone calls help, lunch is always fun, um, and we really, you know, the the thing is that we really deal with some great people who are like minded and passionate about our issues, and it's just fun to get them on the phone and to really go through what's going on out there. Now, I, I would I can't help. What what do you mean strange requests? <laughs> Will you, could you, will you elaborate on that or no? Will I elaborate on that? I'm trying to, I, I got one yesterday that just, just in terms of questions that we don't answer, there's a lot of direct sexuality questions about um, sexual, sexual dysfunction or sexual behavior that we're not probably the best people to answer. We, we often send those kind of requests to, um, sex, to sex therapists. I know, you know, it's fun. well, whenever I tell people what my sister does, their first thing is, their first response is, you know, they they think that that's really a fun job. Well, I get to talk about one. sex all day and I get paid for it. Exactly. So it is really a fun job. It really is a fun job. And now you're also on the board of Trojan. 
Not the Board of Trojan. The, the Board, Board of Trojan has a sexual health advisory council, and Thank that's you. where I was this weekend. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. The um, the makers of Trojan, which is an organization called uh, a company called Church and Dwight. Oh, I thought it, you were going to try to explain what Trojans are. <laughs> no, I think that they, they pretty much did their branding marketing very well. Um, but they're committed to increasing condom use and mm-hmm. to doing it in a very socially responsible way. So what they want to do is make sure that, just like Seekus, that people are sexually healthy and that they understand the benefits of condom use in protecting their sexual health. And they've called together a council of, uh, I think there's about 12 experts. It's led by the former Surgeon General, Joycelyn Elders, is one of the co-chairs. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you remember her, but she got um, essentially fired for saying that kids should learn about masturbation in school. Ah, yes, remember. So she's one of of the co-chairs of this, and there's a I think there's 12 experts who are sexuality educators, um, experts in HIV prevention, uh, physicians, uh, obstetricians, gynecologists, those kind of fields, subspecialties, and we come together twice a year to try to help the company figure out ways to increase condom use, to increase education about condoms, and in so doing, to also increase the general sexual health of the nation. The general sexual health of the nation. Yeah, not my best phrase. That's a good one. Now, let me ask you a question moving on just a little bit. How are you finding, because one of the things that I always like to ask working moms, and I know that you are a very new working mom, but I think it's very tricky often, and you seem to have, going to be able to have a very good balance. But, I mean, is it frightening to you? It's, it's tricky to be able to, do, to be a mother and work, and I don't think, and this is a whole other thing, you know, that our society necessarily sets it up to make that easy. So do you have any early thoughts? Now, keeping in mind, everyone, that she really hasn't had a full night's sleep in months. <laughs> My entire life is a quest for sleep. Um, <laughs> I think it, it is really tricky, and I'm just figuring it out. I think this is one of the reasons I love being in a nonprofit organization. Seekus is incredibly family-friendly, and they've given me a very flexible work schedule, and the, the kind of guiding philosophy is you have to get your work done, but you don't have to punch a clock. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how mothers who literally have to be in the office at 9 and can't leave a moment before 6 can get it all done. And it's definitely, I looked at a work plan a couple weeks ago, or last week actually, we looked at this work plan of all the stuff I have to do before the end of September, which I know that's a long time off and she'll be over a year by then, which is a crazy thought. But it's a lot of work and I don't know how I'm going to do it all and also be a mom. Um, But you know what? It's nice to have mom and dad downstairs. Because otherwise, this entire conversation would be over a, the, you know, over a screaming baby. I have another question, but first, you didn't answer my red nail polish on short nails. For or against? I think it's okay. You do? Well, especially during the holidays, for goodness sakes, right? I, I, I actually think it's okay. It's quite festive. But now, now the question is red nail polish on a working mother, because the instant red nail polish chips, you have to take it off. And it's not always that easy when you have a four-month-old. I know, I know. I hear you. So listen... Every time I have somebody on the show, at the end of the show, I like to ask them sort of about their personal goals and philosophies. And one of the things that I really admired 
with you is that, first of all, you went through school and not even all the time it should have taken because you're so damn smart, and then you thought you wanted to go to law school, and you went to law school, and you realized that wasn't for you. And really, I think it took a lot of guts to say, wait, I don't want to do this, and switch gears and do something else. Then you went to NYU and you got your master's. I mean, you know, then you were at Choice in Dying, and then you came over. See, I know intimately everything that you've done, but do you have have any... <laughs> Do you have any philosophies that have helped guide you in, through your career? Interesting. Uh-oh. Said the word again. Um, I don't know that I have any philosophies that I can put into words. I think that I'm very lucky because I love what I do. And I I guess you can say that it was brave to decide, you know, that that I could switch course, but the truth was I was in law school and I was only 22. So it wasn't it wasn't that far into you know into something that I had done to switch course, but I think that my basic idea is that you spend probably more of your life at work than you spend home with your kids, and you have to love what you do and I love this and I did this in in college. I was a peer sex educator, and I had a great time and I thought, <clears throat> excuse me that I was pretty good at it, and then didn't think that anyone would ever pay me to do it so moved on. And I guess my only advice for people looking for careers is that there's so many of them out there that you don't know about. When you're in college, you know how to become a lawyer and you know how to go to med school and become a doctor and you know how to become a teacher, but there's thousands of things out there that you can devote your life to doing and just picking the one that makes you happy and keeps you interested. And I've been doing this for eight years now and I'm not bored yet. So I think that's the best part. That that is excellent advice, and you said excuse me again. You said it twice. Yay. Yes, this but you so told me I was fun. fabulously smart. <laughs> Mara, it, I had such a good time. Did you have a good time? I did. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you. Thank so you so later. much for joining me today. You're welcome. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's and we're going to we have, have an audience for. every time we talk from now on. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye-bye, and that's all that we have time for, but please join me next week for another edition of The Hook. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.